Chapter Nine of Against Dodds by Lawrence L. Lynch. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Chapter Nine, in disguise. Two days had passed since my talk with my friend the guard, and although Brainerd, myself, and others had thoroughly searched Midway Pleasance, hoping to obtain a glimpse of our quarry or a hint of their presence, we had been unsuccessful. We found many things in Midway, but neither Greenback Bob nor his friend Delbras. I tell you, Dave had said on the previous night, when we were discussing our failure and its probable reasons, I tell you, Carl, these men began their business in Midway, I am sure of it, and I solemnly believe that you're the fellow that scared them away. I? Indeed, how? Simply by springing upon them in that camp affair, I believe they spotted you. I felt chapfallen, for I was more than half inclined to believe that Dave's notion was the correct one, and I wondered that I had not thought of this myself. And if they did, went on Dave, it would be the most natural thing in the world for them to fold up their tents, like the Arabs, etc. Don't you think so? Granting your first premises, I conceded grudgingly, your second, of course, are tenable. Perhaps you have an idea where their tents are now spread. Oh, you always try the sarcastic dodge when you are beaten a bit, grinned Dave, good-humouredly. But that's all right. I think we may as well give the midway a rest, at any rate. I suppose you have noted that the woman's building has had more than its share of stealing of late, said I. Mm, no. Well, you should read the papers and look in at the bureau. Once a day, at least. They've had an attack upon the exhibits, failed, I believe, and a number of pockets picked. Do you suggest the woman's building? Tomorrow, I suggest the vicinity of the Court of Honour and the administration building. It's the Princess Eulalia's day, you remember, or had you failed to note that? Go on, boy. Wound me where I'm weakest, scoffed Dave. But I chose to ignore Dave's chaff. I suggest that we join the crowd early and stay with it late. Done, cried he. It's hard to tell where they will elect to work. There will be a thinning out inside the buildings, but a crowd outside, and such a crowd as this will be, all with necks craned and attention fixed, ladies in gay attire, the cream of the city's visitors as well as the other side, and there will be at least half a dozen false cries of, There she comes! and somebody's pocket will suffer at each cry. Right you are, agreed Dave. It'll be a swell crowd, and it's my opinion that our men will be in the thick of it. Early the next morning I went to see if anything had been reported concerning the diamond robbery, for as yet little had been accomplished. There was one of the attendants, a young woman, whom I had felt uncertain about. She was pretty, and I thought artful and vain, and I had learned from another employee of the Lausch Pavilion that she had formed the acquaintance of a rather flashily dressed person, wearing much jewellery, and that just before the robbery she had been seen to receive two or three slyly delivered billets doux. The girl was being closely watched, and one of the guards, who was stationed near, and who was said to have been seen loitering near the pavilion oftener and longer than was needful, was likewise under close surveillance. 
but this morning there was something to report it did not come through any of the men at work upon the case nor was it in the nature of a discovery it was an anonymous letter and it came through the united states mail having been posted in chicago at the uptown post office it was addressed to whom it may concern at the bureau and was brief and to the point if you do not want to waste time the letter began turn your attention to the men in charge of the robbed jewelry exhibit and if you also keep an eye upon a certain uptown man who keeps a place advertised as a jewelry store and with rather a shady reputation a man not above doing a little business in uncut gems say in a very quiet way you may find some of the lost gems between the two there was no signature and i saw at a glance that the writing was carefully disguised i was not inclined to treat this document seriously though i could see that it had created quite a sensation at the office and when asked my opinion concerning it i said if this letter means anything but to mislead it can mean but one of two things either it is written by one of the thieves to draw us away from the right track or it is written by someone who belongs to a gang and who means if possible and safe to sell out his comrades for all he can get and a promise of safety i've seen this done before and what is your opinion i'm more than half inclined to think it is a hoax as how it may be the work of a crank or a practical joker i replied and i thought it possible though hardly probable if we had advertised this thing said the officer slowly i should think little of this letter but it has not been made public it is known i reminded him to some three hundred men here in the grounds and it has been told to how many sellers of jewelry up in the city not to mention their employees half a dozen picked men have been detailed to work upon the case i don't think it likely but some officer who covets a bit of special work might have thought it worth while to muddle the job for us or some revengeful clerk uptown may be trying to get even with some enemy however the thing can't be ignored and my advice would be trace the letter to its author if possible there were no letters for us that morning and i left the place soon certain that the machinery of the bureau was quite equal to the task of looking after the anonymous letter which after all did not occupy a large place in my mind since my talk with my mysterious guard i had made next day another effort to see miss jenrys i had waited at the gate at fifty seventh street for three long and precious morning hours and then i had turned away anathematizing myself and vowing that hereafter i would attend to my own legitimate business and not prowl about after an evasive beauty who no doubt had already purchased a new bag and forgotten her loss but in my heart i knew it was not to restore the bag alone that i so earnestly looked for miss jenrys i had not fallen in love not at all but yet somehow i had a singular anxiety to see again the face of this sweet blonde and to hear her mellow musical voice if only in the two words thank you even as i turned away after my long and fruitless waiting i did not promise myself to forget her nor altogether to quit the chase i hypocritically said now i will trust a little to chance how dave would have laughed could he have known my thoughts 
by nine o'clock that morning there were thousands of people thronging the court of honor drifting out and in under the arches of the administration building and up and down upon the streets on either side of it everywhere there was a look of expectancy and no apparent desire to move on as the morning advanced and the active guards began to stretch ropes at either side of the entrance through which the procession would pass the throng drew together from various directions and massed themselves as many of them could drawing close to the rope outside some of the narrow comfortless looking red chairs seating themselves with the great rope actually resting upon their knees to be hemmed in and pressed upon at once by row after row of crowding pushing humanity while others swarmed boldly between the ropes and filled the smooth gravelled space reserved for the honoured guests and the city magnates attendant upon them it was a good-humoured crowd but it held its place until from the entrance of the building a line of guards in full uniform came slowly out while from the east a second company came forward two by two and these spreading into a line single file and facing about united with the others in forming an l and thus slowly quietly but none the less surely they advanced while just as slowly and almost as composedly the crowd fell back and outward until the roped in space was cleared only to partially fill and to be again cleared once and again Brainerd and I separated upon reaching the place and I had not seen him since although I had moved about from point to point almost ceaselessly as eleven o'clock approached the crowd began to grow restless and questions to be banded about from one to another while guards as ignorant for the most part as their questioners were interviewed endlessly when is she coming is she coming soon are you sure she will come here is it eleven o'clock etc it was eleven o'clock when i drew out from the throng that had pressed within the ropes only to be slowly driven out again and passed through an aisle of fans and parasols which had been opened and kept open the width of three men shoulder to shoulder by a constant passing of its length and i was skirting one side of the building slowly and with my eyes searching the crowd of faces when i heard a familiar voice near me speaking in impatient tones law pa it's no use i ain't a-going to set on that tuttlin thing one minute longer not for all the infanties in america what more's a farren infanty than a home-born one anyhow there was a stir next the rope and a break in the wall of humanity about it and then mrs camp emerged her bonnet very much awry and her husband bringing up the rear puffing and worried with a little red chair hanging from one shoulder and the faded umbrella clutched in one hand they saw me at the same moment wow began the lady i'm glad i ain't the only simpleton in the world if here you ain't i can't get over thinking what a ridiculous thing it is for half of america almost to turn out just to see a baby that's brought across from where columbus used to live just as if a spanish baby was a-going to enjoy such a crowd as this one thing's certain i ain't going to wait if the poor little creature is half as tired as i be it'll want a nap first thing come on pa a shout of laughter drowned her last words and after explaining to mr camp that i was looking for a friend i got away from the absurd old woman who with her husband at her heels was marching toward the lake where there was enough water maybe to make a ripple and where one wouldn't get stepped on 
if one happened to tumble down as i found myself upon the outskirts of the crowd someone set up a cry of there she comes and there was a movement toward the west end of the administration building two or three carriages had drawn up inside the roped-in space and several smiling gentlemen with boutonnieres upon their immaculate coats stood in waiting near i turned the corner to the north where the crowd was less dense and had begun to deliberate upon the wisdom of moving on when straight across my path half running and evidently in pursuit of someone i saw the little brunette i had made a quick step in pursuit when a gloved hand was thrust out before me stand back was the order there was a rush from the south end a sudden prancing of hoofs upon the gravel and a carriage drawn by four fine bay horses came into view around the corner of the mines building here she comes is again the cry i am pressed back against the wall and close beside me the soft rolling carriage is drawn up a gentleman alights and waving aside the obsequious footman assists the lady to descend in a moment they are gone swallowed up by the big arched entrance and a murmur runs through the crowd if not the infanty they have seen one as fair and as gracious the first lady of the white city the able and beloved president of the woman's board when she has passed within i replace my uplifted hat and seek an egress through the crowd past the restive four in hand and down the street which leads to wooded island in pursuit of the little brunette who had vanished in that direction and now there seemed a breaking up of the crowd strains of music could be heard in the distance and rumours of an approaching parade are rife wooded island at the south end seems quite alive with moving forms and i saunter over the first bridge cross the tiny island of the hunter's camp and australian squatter's hut cross a second picturesque bridge and begin to examine the faces moving about the flower-bordered paths thronging the rhododendron exhibit and resting upon the scattered benches i pass some time in this way and have turned my face toward the mainland once more when a burst of music near at hand draws my eyes to the opposite bank where between the west facade of the great manufacturers building and the lagoon the wild riders led by buffalo bill prince of showmen are defiling past with their fine horses curvetting and restless under their gorgeous trappings and the weight of their fantastic and variously costumed riders their banners are fluttering and their weapons glisten in the breeze and the sunshine there is a grand rush toward the two bridges and as i hasten on with the rest i catch a glimpse one more as she comes down a side path of the elusive brunette she is close in the wake of two women who are running hand in hand and i hasten to place myself as near her as possible but discreetly in the rear and now from the opposite side of the lagoon we hear another burst of music and a cry the princess the princess we cross the first bridge and dash upon the next which being high and arched in the centre is at once filled with spectators while the more venturesome hurry over and line the banks of the lagoon and the sides of the two opposite roads by which from the east and west the two cavalcades will approach that of the wild west coming from the east filing past the north end of the electricity building and turning opposite the bridge to file southward 
straight down from our coin advantage to the entrance of the administration building opposite us i had followed the brunette closely and when she arrived at the end of the bridge where the head of the wild west column was just turning southward the crowd upon the sloping south end was dense and some hardy spirits were scaling the five-foot pedestals of the great deer upon either side upon these pedestals straight-sided and square there was standing room at the top as some wag observed and i pressed forward meaning to mount with the aid of the iron handrail as i reached the pedestal on the left near which the brunette had halted beside the two women before mentioned and who i began to think were in her company the wag at the top bent down and put out an inviting hand help you up ladies good view up here and nobody to make us get down in this crowd it's quite easy just step on that rail one of the two women stepped forward put out her hand paused measured the distance with her eye put a foot upon the rail and uttered a little squeak oh i can't possibly without a word the little brunette at least six inches shorter stepped forward put out her hand set one foot upon the rail and went to the top of the big block with an agility that was amazing in a woman as for me i had been quite near her and it almost took away my breath i kept my eyes upon her like one fascinated until the beautiful princess preceded by the white plume hussars and escorted by the mayor and city council came from the west and passed us so close that her charming face aglow with smiles and bright looks of interest was distinctly seen and roundly cheered we watched her drive slowly down the avenue formed by open ranks of her escort and then the crowd was ready to follow her and surround the administration building watching wondering an american throng attendant upon and admiring not royalty alone but royalty beauty and gracious womanhood combined in one charming whole when the cheer which announced the infanta's descent from her carriage had died away i turned to see what my brunette safely bestowed upon her pedestal would elect to do next i was soon enlightened for she turned at the first movement of the crowd about her and seating herself upon the edge of the pedestal dropped lightly to the ground and walked briskly away i followed of course determined not to be easily left behind again and as i went my mind was occupied with an entirely new thought i had made a discovery and it might be an important one i had found that the brunette like myself was in disguise End of chapter 9